Welcome in everyone to the Sunday Nighter on the Talking Tide podcast. I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon. The Talking Tide Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. And of course, you can get Talking Tide at our web host at podbean.com. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks, as always, to our fine sponsors, Heat Pizza Bar, Southern Ale House, and North River Dental Associates. Tell you a little bit more about them later in the program. We start recapping this big, uh, uh, resounding Iron Bowl win for the Crimson Tide, 42-13, to the final score at home. And uh, Nick Saban sits this one out i guess it's a it's a signal of 2020 travis when uh, nick saban sits out a football game anybody but especially this guy uh i th- i think he said it'd been uh, uh since kent state since he'd last missed a football game uh where he was part of any staff so uh strange uh aspect to this game no doubt about it but uh, the final score I, I don't know that we could call it what we expected, Travis, but we certainly thought Alabama would win this game fairly handily. And it uh, turns out that, as they say, the Jimmys and Joes are, are more important than the X's and O's. Yeah, the players weren't quarantined. That's what Auburn probably needed as much, if not more, than Nick Saban hold up in his Northeast Tuscaloosa abode. So give credit, though, to Steve Sarkeesian stepping into that role. And really, I think as much as anyone, give credit to Pete Golding. I thought the Alabama defense, as much as any facet of this football team, set the tone on Saturday afternoon. Good kickoff coverage to start the game. Josh Job gets down there, makes a nice stop. You also have a penalty tacked on to that situation for Auburn, a three and out for the Alabama defense. Saw some really good things on the opening snap in terms of dealing with that Auburn run game. Fitted the run up pretty nicely throughout the game. Did the Alabama defense. Uh, you know, and then some pass rush too, man. Got after Bo Nix early. Christopher Allen with the early sack to cap that three and out. And uh, I, I thought it was as encouraging of a sequence as I've seen from this Alabama defense all year long. You know, the defense has been playing better for weeks. But against Auburn and some of the look, – Auburn's got more horses on offense than – some of the teams that Alabama's defense has gotten well against, I guess it's fair to say, uh, in recent weeks. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, they showed up. They got in the backfield a little bit more than uh, they have been, certainly early in the season. Uh, a sack for Chris Allen, as you said, a sack for Christian Barmore. Uh, a big night, really, overall for the defense. Played well against the run. And uh, a couple of freshman defensive backs, Malachi Moore and Brian Branch, both with interceptions. Branch with a big return. Moore seems to be emerging, Travis, um, as more than just a good player. He he's he looks like he's maybe headed for star potential. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He is a slam dunk freshman All American for the 2020 season, and you know usually you get freshmen in there and they can handle one aspect maybe of the job, but per area where they're lacking, but. You saw once again on Saturday that Malachi Moore, if you need him to play man-to-man coverage, uh, he can handle that. If you need to set an edge against a quick game or uh, you know help out in that aspect, 
tackle in the open field. Uh, he's able to do all of it. And he's a guy that talked about this before, written about it before. What I've always liked about Malachi Moore is the different areas of football that he's impacted from a position standpoint before he even got to Alabama. And on defense, that was corner early uh, in his uh, high school career. And then later on at Hewitt Trustful, he moved to safety. So he sort of got that hybrid experience, which certainly plays into the star position, which he has rapidly become one of the better we've seen handle that spot for the Alabama Crimson Tide in four or five years now. I'll tell you somebody else who impressed me defensively for Alabama, Travis, in a, in a rotational role up front was Tim Smith, the young defensive lineman. He didn't stuff the stat sheet, right? Only two tackles. But if you watched him, he was disruptive upfield. He hustled downfield. Uh, I, I thought he, I thought he made his presence felt when he was in there. Yeah. He's a guy that you think about kind of like Will Anderson, you know, there's a handful of these freshmen that you start to consider Malachi Moore, even and Malachi, Malachi Moore is only going to get better. Brian Branch in the secondary. Um, and then you look up front and you see guys like Will Anderson at the Jack position and Tim Smith, you know, he has that potential to be an absolute war daddy along the lines of a Sean Robinson, a Jaron Reed, more recently, maybe a Quentin Williams, a Deron Payne. I think he has that sort of upside. I, upside, I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, Got to keep him staying on side a little better, and that'll happen. You know, that's part of the maturity process. But you're right. He can make plays, but then he's also very difficult to move. And he is going to be a guy that demands double teams, which only helps everyone else around him. Offensively for Alabama, big, big night for Mac Jones. Five touchdown passes, ties to a tongue of Aloha's Iron Bowl record, throws for 302 yards. Big night for him, and he finds Devontae Smith early and often. That's like a broken record on this podcast. Week after week, Devontae Smith gets it done. He goes seven for 171 and a couple of touchdowns. And this one, Travis, and they got him started uh, with a big lightning strike early in the game for the first touchdown. Kind of pump faked uh, the safety to bite, smoke Monday, and and uh, you see Smith kind of streak down the field, literally all by himself. I mean, a hard guy to miss that wide open uh, for a big touchdown to open things up. Yeah, we talked about last week how the Alabama run game could be a real problem for this Auburn defense because we had seen Ole Miss and then more recently Tennessee the previous Saturday kind of have its way with the Auburn front seven, well, pretty clear Kevin Steele wasn't intent on Najee Harris turning this into a four-quarter first-round audition on Saturday afternoon. So a lot of attention given to the Alabama run game. I don't think Auburn had a choice because if it didn't, it, it, it was it was just going to be a slower bleed out, and it was going to be Najee in the run game doing the, the honors. So uh, I thought even though Harris – for a quarter and a half or so really didn't hurt Auburn. The attention that had to be paid to him uh, made things even easier for an Alabama, Alabama passing attack that doesn't need a lot of help. And so, yeah, on that double move to Devontae, put Smoke Monday in a really tough spot because he has to consider the run fake. Maybe he, he's not supposed to, but he's going to. And then... Matt gives him the pump fake on the slant. And how many of these games in the last three or four years have you watched tape of if you're Smoke Monday 
and they've run that slant off of RPO action right there in the middle of the field. It was a well, bread and butter to a right, right. So, and 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 also, Smoke had robbed a ball in the middle of the field against Tennessee the previous week for a 100-yard interception return. So that film works both ways, Chase, you know. Smoke had film of that slant off RPO, but Alabama had film of Smoke jumping the ball in the middle of the field on that interception against Tennessee. So sometimes, Chase, the film gives, and sometimes the film taketh away. Najee Harris, as you said, uh, they, they concentrated on him early. He did a lot more damage later in the game, finished 11-4-96. Travis, he's slowly but surely climbing the, the ranks of Alabama's uh, top running backs of all time. As a matter of fact, he's got Derrick Henry within reach on the school record for career rushing yards. I think at this point he's roughly 375 yards short of Derrick Henry, and he's not second, by the way. There's still a couple of backs uh, in between he and King Henry. But look, with what Alabama has left, two more, hopefully two more regular season games, potentially as many as three more after that, depending on how far Alabama gets in the postseason. And, and based on what Najee Harris has done this year, if he stays healthy, he should get there. Yeah, he should. You know, it was a season low, 11 carries for Najee Harris on Saturday afternoon. Again, you know, a lot of attention given to him early in the game. And not just because of what Tennessee and Ole Miss had probably done to Auburn, but Najee in last year's game. He was more of a workhorse, 25-plus carries, 146 rushing yards. So he had already shown Kevin Steele and Auburn a year ago that he was capable of taking over the game if you didn't go the extra mile to account for him. But, you know, I thought Sark once again, you know, once it became clear that between the tackles, Auburn was very committed to trying to stop that part of the Alabama offense, uh, Sark hit the flats. You know, the quick screen game was very effective once again off of RPO looks and uh, also threw it out to Najee in the flat there in the second quarter to hit an explosive play for 25 yards. So, Oh, it's just so tough to defend this Alabama offense from, you know, left to right, north to south. It can literally beat you horizontally. It can beat you vertically. And a lot of times what Sark's doing is is setting up something for down the road. And, uh, you know, Najee uh, averaged 8.7. The touchdown run there in the third quarter, it was good to see as much as anything, Chase, because you know, earlier in the quarter, he had taken that awkward hit to that left leg, uh, went into the uh, medical tent there on the Alabama sideline, came back out. I was thinking, ah, they're probably not going to see Najee the rest of the game. Sure enough, there he is, and not only comes back in, but he hits for that 39-yard touchdown run in which he got some really good blocking from up front. Some big holes, huge holes uh, yeah. in, the, in the running game toward the end of the game and certainly on that play as well. Post-game? Uh, just as quickly as Sark notched that W on the sideline, Nick Saban was back in the saddle, Travis, uh, with the post-game remarks. Nothing from Sark post-game. Yeah, we wondered about that a little bit, you know. And uh, Nick even called in on the cell, you know, for the post-game, you know, for CBS. So, uh, yeah, it was Nick. And, you know, listening to Nick Saban looked good, sounded good on the Zoom uh, post-game uh, conference there with the media. So that was a 
a good thing to see and hear. And uh, he did admit to yelling at the uh, at the feed that he had a couple of times. He wasn't happy about some things, but uh, oh, he had to be very pleased with how his staff responded. Um, you know, Sark, it's obviously a, a feather in his cap. It's a resume addition that can certainly only help his stock, which continues to to progress. And again, you know, Pete Golding's been a lightning rod for criticism here in the last couple of years. So good for Pete Golding to uh, have his defense go out there and put forth that kind of performance because I'll, I'll say it. I, I wasn't, you know, I know we had been talking a lot about this improvement and I was, yeah, but guy, you know, I was, yeah, but look at the offenses we're talking about here. The three worst offenses in the SEC Alabama had faced going into the Auburn game, but And I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that this Auburn offense is along the lines of 2014 or 2010 or those kind of offenses. But still, uh, I I would I would put it well ahead of the the three Alabama had seen prior to the Iron Bowl. So kudos to Pete Golding. Uh, It is a defense that undeniably has improved. Uh, Am I ready to kind of put it up there with 2011 or 2016 or some of those defenses, 2009? No, Uh, but for how the game is played right now, it is doing the things it needs to do. It is continuing to create takeaways and it is getting off the field just enough on third downs. You mentioned Saban yelling at uh, the the television. He he said he yelled at the TV, kind of make it makes it sound like he was watching the CBS broadcast, which was a head scratcher for me, because I'm thinking, wait a minute, you, you tell me he, he didn't said, have- yeah, he said earlier in the week he was going to have the uh, like press box view, like an all 22 look, which uh, is what, right? That's what I would have thought. I'm with you, yeah. yeah maybe he probably at the end of the day he probably had them both. Uh, but hell, uh, I was I was halfway expecting him to kind of be hologrammed in to the booth with I- Gary and Brad is the third man is the third person in a three person booth. That's, you know, he was on game day uh, earlier in the day uh, on ESPN. So I was like, well, at this point he'll probably just be on the broadcast. You know, he'll probably help call the game itself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was something that, that you could illegally do, but nothing would surprise me with Nick Saban. No doubt about it. A little bit of news this week as well, Travis. The LSU game rescheduled for December 5th. Of course, that bumps Alabama's originally scheduled, well, not even originally, (laughs) COVID scheduled game against Arkansas. Uh, Presumably that one gets bumped to December 12th. We'll see how things play out uh, in the coming week on that. But uh, Alabama gets this LSU game back. I'm a little surprised, Travis. I kind of felt like this one was going to go by the wayside, but they they figured out a way to squeeze it in. Yeah, the TV, the TV people, they like those games to be played, right? And so, I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about here because uh, Alabama beats LSU. Alabama wins on December the 5th. There, there's really no need for it to play on December the 12th other than, you know, you got to fill the, the, the broadcast schedule. So um, that is what I would think would play out for the, the weekend of December the 12th, get that Arkansas game in. And, you know, it could be that Alabama's looking at back-to-back road games before it goes to Atlanta to take on uh, presumably the Florida Gators in the SEC championship game. So, you know, I've said it before, Alabama fans have given me some heat for it, but, you know, Alabama hasn't had to postpone a game yet 
based on its own situation involving COVID. And despite that fact, it is now likely to lose what would have been an open date before the SEC championship game because of the rescheduling and the postponements at other places around the league. So uh, I don't think it benefits Alabama uh, specifically. I'm I'm glad we're going to get football. I'll never have a problem with us getting the, the, the maximum amount of football we can get. I'm talking about just from a perspective of, of how this works for Alabama uh, potentially uh, looking ahead to the SEC championship game. Things really falling apart in Baton Rouge. Speaking of LSU, and of course, we will talk a lot more about the LSU-Alabama game on our midweek podcast as we preview that one. But a little news this weekend, Travis Terrace Marshall, the outstanding receiver for the Tigers, joins the opt-out crew. So now you you lose Jamar Chase on the front end of the season, best receiver, certainly one of the best receivers in the country. Then you lose Marshall on the back end. This has just been a mess for Ed Orgeron. Yeah, and if this is a year later, you think Derek Stingley's uh, calling it a season already? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he, only he, a sophomore. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it makes an already tough, tough task coming up for this Saturday night in Death Valley, all the more tougher. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big spread, man. Looking at the early line, I think it's Alabama 25, Alabama 25 and a half on the road that's a big number they back to back fat numbers like yeah that. i mean i thought 20. i thought saturday was a big number and i thought bo nix was going to be backdoor bo down the stretch there when auburn right. had the ball down 29 you know because bo nix is that guy if you laid the points you know you don't want a guy like bo nix quarterbacking the other side because he'll play every play like it's the two-minute drill in a 21-21 game in the Super Bowl or something, you know, and especially an Iron Bowl. But uh, the Alabama plus – the Alabama minus 24-and-a-half money survived Bo Nix on Saturday evening. Unbelievable for sure. Yeah, Nix is uh, – you know, his struggles to me – stem from a lot of places he he does he is an effort guy though and and he's not afraid to tuck it he's a tough player and and you're right he's not the type to to not gonna quit no he's not gonna give in in the fourth quarter uh at all so uh 42 to 13 again the final score in the 2020 iron bowl gonna thank a couple of sponsors for the talking tide podcast really quick here i gotta tell you about north river dental associates first the outstanding dental facility in the entire Tuscaloosa area. If it's time to get your teeth clean, give them a call and get in there. You got to get it done twice a year. You might as well get it done by the very best. And that is North River Dental Associates. Now on a routine cleaning, when you walk through the door, you'll be sitting in that waiting room for about five minutes. Typically, they'll have you right back in the chair get you out the door in less than an hour and they can do all kinds of other work too, whether it's cosmetic dentistry, endodontics, dental implants, uh, the very popular teeth whitening services. They can get that done for you. Laser dentistry, whatever you might need. North river dental associates is the place to go. Now you can get an appointment on the web at northriverdentist.com or you can pick up the phone, give them a call at 752-3506. Dr. Jack and his professional staff of dental hygienists will take care of you. It's painless, and it is outstanding work. 
Again, it's North River Dental Associates. Glad you mentioned our friends there at North River Dental. I've got a cleaning coming up uh, this week. And like you said, it's not something I dread at North River Dental. I'm going to be in and out of there. They're going to take good care of me. They're 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 gentle with those gums, you know, when you get those cleanings there. Clock it for at North us. River Dental. Clock it for us when you go. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll see if I can maybe even get it laser timed. You know, that way we'll be all the more accurate. I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Hey, um, you need to get those Christmas orders in. You're thinking about that Christmas spread. Look, you just did it up for Thanksgiving, all right? Uh, You, the significant other, you put in all the time, the effort to make the Thanksgiving spread what it was. Well, give yourself a break for Christmas. You can do that with Southern Ale House, outstanding holiday catering available to you. You got to get that Christmas order in by Friday, December the 18th at noon, and then you can pick it up on Wednesday, December the 23rd between 1030 in the morning and 8 p.m., Give them a call, 205-310-3625. That's 205-310-3625. You can also email them, catering at southernalehouse.com. The holidays don't have to be stressful. Let Southern Alehouse take care of the food part of that holiday celebration for you and yours. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. You know, I'm checking out the forecast, good bread, for about the next uh, seven to ten days. Doesn't look like we're going to have a high that even reaches the 60s. So when it cools down, not a better place to go than Heat Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. They're going to have those outstanding daily specials, those nightly specials for you there at Heat Pizza Bar. Uh, Happy hour all day on Sundays. You know what that means? That's $2 domestics, $3 double wells, not single wells for three bucks, Mm. double wells, half off all starters. So look, check it out on Sundays. It's not just Monday through Saturday. It's Sundays where Heat Pizza Bar can take great care of you as well. You like the NFL. They're going to have the games on those big screens there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talk of Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. And we're going to zip through the Southeastern Conference really quickly here before we sign off on this particular episode. Travis, uh, got to start with the Egg Bowl, right? One of my favorite uh, SEC traditions. Ole Miss takes it 31 24, the final score. Mississippi State lost its uh, sixth game in its last seven. Gosh, after beating LSU in that opener, they're they're one and six since then. Although they seem to have found something in Will Rogers, they seem to be playing a little bit more competitive football of late in Starkville. Remember, they they hung close with Georgia as well, and uh, in a losing effort, Travis Will Rogers, forty five out of sixty one for four forty and three touchdowns. That's more like what Mike Leach wants to see out of the quarterback spot. Yeah, you know, and this is a team that continues to uh, be well under the number in terms of available scholarship guys. So, look, if you'll check it down in that offense, you can put up numbers where you get into trouble is, and then we saw this with K.J. Costello, is where you lose your patience and you're going against these 
you know, eight man drops in coverage and you won't take the underneath stuff. You won't take the back and the flat. And that looks like what Will Rogers is doing for the most part. And defensively, I think Zach Arnett in his first year as the coordinator there for Mike Leach at state has done a terrific job. So the defense continues to play well enough to win. Uh, and offensively, we're seeing some strides here late in the season. You know, the crazy thing about all this, Chase, is that you know, Mississippi State still might very well end up in a bowl game. I mean, I know we talk about, you know, the record right now at two and six, but you know, there are bowl slots that the SEC is still being counted to, to on to fill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a COVID year, there's obviously the qualifications are being relaxed. So, uh, you know, state gets one more win or so, even at three and seven. Hey, you could see Mississippi State somewhere like Nashville for a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy the way the you know the the I guess you normally have to win six FBS games to qualify. They threw that straight out the window uh, to keep as many. And I don't think we're going to see as many bowls play as we normally have. No, we've uh, already lost some, yeah. Yeah, some some have already decided to close shop for the year but yeah you're right there are going to be uh there are going to be some losing teams uh bowling there's no question about that matt corral 385 yards passing for Ole miss travis and a little more balance for the Ole miss offense than mississippi state they end up running for 163 mississippi state only ran for 39 yards all night long that definitely made a difference as well jerry and ely uh just under the 100 yard mark for uh for lane kiffin's crew yeah, and that's where Ole Miss has done a really nice job all season long. You tell you tell people, you know, the leading rushing team in the Southeastern Conference this year is Ole Miss, and they sort of scratch their head at that a little bit because you think of Matt Corral, you think of the big numbers for Elijah Moore, uh, but balance is a big part of what Lane likes to do, and you're one there in Oxford. He's already achieved that. 41 nothing. the final score. Uh, in Nashville, Missouri takes care of Vanderbilt. Of course, the uh, history made with Sarah Fuller, the goalkeeper on the Vanderbilt soccer team, getting in there for a second-half kickoff. Vanderbilt's offense, Travis, uh, so putrid Jeez. against the Tigers, they couldn't even get her an extra point, couldn't even get her in the game to score. Uh, so they had to they had to settle for uh, a kickoff. Yeah, thank goodness. You know, you have to kick off, or at least you're supposed to, unless you screw up the coin flip uh, or the – you know, the choice there to start the second half or we wouldn't have seen Sarah Fuller at all. But I was like everyone else. I wanted to see her at least get a shot at a PAT, maybe a field goal of some kind. But it was a feel-good story for Vandy on Saturday. And then it was a story of unemployment on Sunday as Derek Mason has been relieved of his duties there in Nashville. That's going to be an interesting job to see how it goes about being filled. Now, we've seen the coordinator approach. We've seen the James Franklins. We've seen the Derek Masons. Um, You've got G5 candidates out there. Problem for Vanderbilt right now, though, Chase, is that, you know, if I'm a G5 coach, I'm Billy Napier at Louisiana. I'm not leaving Louisiana for Vanderbilt these days. You know what I mean? These guys are making enough money at the G5 level that they can literally afford to be patient. If I'm Billy Napier, okay, maybe South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm probably not leaving Louisiana for Vanderbilt right now. And another issue, too, is I I think to a large extent, at least with some of the top most qualified candidates, Vanderbilt's 
administratively kind of radioactive a disaster right now for coaches yeah, yeah i mean they've they've totally Dumpster flipped fire. that out that athletic department around uh the the booster club uh, is kind of under the administration's thumb now as i understand it certainly the fundraising into that and which means uh, your facilities aren't going to improve probably anytime soon Right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, and you just, you, there's no real sense of what's up and what's down in that athletic department right now. And as a coach, mm-hmm. who wants to step into a situation like that? Nobody. No, no, it, it, it's going to be. So, I mean, you're going to hear folks say, well, what about Sarkeesian? Steve Sarkeesian at least the OC job. No. Or you know? Vanderbilt? He, 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 uh. he, he would have he pursued Colorado more intensely uh last year than he would vanderbilt yeah but i mean you'll you'll hear people though they'll throw names like out like that out there because what they do is they see southeastern conference well it's a southeastern conference job no it's really not it's really uh sort of an aac maybe even sunbelt job right now at vanderbilt with an sec schedule right (laughs) But you get the checks, you know, you get those same checks and that's what Vanderbilt likes. If you're the SEC, you know, you like the, the academic aspect of it. You know, it gives you that part. um, If you're the Southeastern conference, but wow, in terms of trying to go in there and do anything that could springboard you to a job at a uh, more prominent type place. And in terms of the college football hierarchy, no, it's, it's not Vanderbilt. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us midweek as we preview Alabama's upcoming game against the LSU Tigers. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you here in a few days right here on Talking Tide.